Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain was the third episode of our QuickBase mini-series. I was joined by Jacob to discuss the always-moving construction world, explain how you can connect people and materials to a project's success, and exactly how QuickBase can help. But that's not all we had happening here. We also remixed things a bit and had Abby Baird from Coming In Hot for episode 264. And then episode 264 as well. It was blended episode 20. And we talked about assets and advantages when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you missed any of these episodes, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. Those were episodes 264, 265, and 266, and you can also find the entire QuickBase miniseries there as well. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O.com today. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We've got so many new and exciting things. I am going to be in Hamburg next week for the Hapag Lloyd uh, management, global management meeting, and I'm going to be emceeing that for them. And I'm super excited to be over in Europe. So if you're in Hamburg, let me know, and I would love to meet up with you. So today I'm joined by a serial entrepreneur who brings an expertise on negotiating to the discussion. He's even provided his insights to brands like Nike, Salesforce, and the U.S. Army. Now he's talking with us at Let's Talk Supply Chain. Any idea who it is? Well, we'll reveal them after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, does a straw have one or two holes? 65% of you said one, 35% of you said two, and we had over 900 votes for this. Plus, everybody wanted to weigh in with a comment. Jeff says, I look at it differently. If the straw had a hole, it would leak, no? Jessica, if it only had one, 
would it still be a straw? William, a straw has one hole that runs its length and is open at both ends. Jeffrey, a new straw should have no holes. It has open ends. Heather said, I had to check out the comments on this one. Sean, one hole at each end. Chris, how many sides does a straw have? Question mark. Daniel, Danielle, how is a straw made? By punching holes in the end or wrapped up in a circle? <laughs> These are amazing. I love all of your answers. Marlena, from a mathematical point of view, the straw has only one hole, but the answer really depends on the reader's point of view. Well, thank you so much to everybody who weighed in for our poll of the week. We do ask you a question every single Wednesday morning, so make sure you go and weigh in and I'll feature you on an upcoming episode. So now back to today's podcast. Did you guess who's joining me today? Well, time's up. It's Mark Raffin from Negotiations Ninja. Mark improves performance with training, improves results with coaching, and engages in growth on his podcast. He's a recognized expert on negotiation, an entrepreneur and procurement veteran, and through his experience, he's now helping thousands of people find and close better deals, all using the tools businesses already have. Today, Mark joins me to chat all about the company, what they do, negotiation in supply chain, leadership, and procurement. But before we dive in, let's find out a little bit more about Mark. Mark has been an entrepreneur for years and is passionate about thought leadership and marketing. He excels at negotiation, influence, and persuasion. Some of the top companies in the world have hired him to coach their executives and teams, including Zendesk, Nike, Citibank, the Sasha Group, Salesforce, the U.S. Army, LinkedIn, and Humana. A 2019 professional to know, Mark has been featured in Entrepreneur, Forbes, Thrive Global, Supply and Demand Chain, Executive Magazine. Magazine, and on dozens of podcasts such as Make It Happen Mondays, The Brutal Truth About Sales, and The Insider's Guide to Finance. So welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I am really happy to have you here. I mean, I'm a big fan of your the content that you're putting out there Likewise. for an underserved market. I'm truly curious to pick your brain on how we can work around an ultimately charged supply chain atmosphere from your negotiation and procurement perspective, right? I mean, I can tell that my appetite for this kind of conversation is growing and I know that the audience is too. So let's go ahead and just get started. Before we get into exactly what you do at Negotiation Ninja, can we set the scene a little bit, right? Negotiation isn't something we hear about every day on the news or maybe in the headlines. So what does the landscape of negotiation kind of look like right now? Why is it important to professionals, supply chain professionals? Yeah, it's it's so critically important. I mean, we were living in such a strange time when it comes to supply chain shortages, blockages, yes. inflationary environment, um, vendors going out of business, vendors consolidating, and all of that becomes really difficult to be able to navigate. And without good negotiation skills, mm -hmm. it's really hard for us to get deals that make sense for our organization. And many of us are stuck in situations where we feel like we are under undue pressure from okay. many of our partners and from many of our vendors. And we feel like a lot of the time we're being held to cost increases or changes in the agreement that we have no influence over. But the reality is 
we do have influence over at least some of it where we can make changes. So negotiation is more important today than it ever has been before. Uh, and I'm really excited to get into the conversation with you about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, some of the stuff that we spoke about before we hopped on and press the record button is really around how, you know, negotiation really didn't come up too, too much pre-COVID. I mean, it did, but it really didn't. But now, like right. you said, with all of the disruptions that ha that are happening in supply chain, you're renegotiating contracts. Like Everything. you said, there's vendors that are going out of business, but also we're looking at supply chain very differently. We're looking at ways that we can potentially diversify our supplier base, maybe buy from other suppliers in different countries, right? And I think, you know, part of that comes free trade agreements. We need to look more at free trade agreements and see where we've got, you know, maybe some duty relief um, if we do buy from a certain country or vice versa, right? Import or export. And right. that's where... Um, and plus, the prices of freight are just skyrocketing. Bananas. And so your INCO terms become even more important because you're negotiating what that looks like and what the cost ends up being. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we have to, if they're not doing it right now, we have to look at everything that's happening right now. And so typically, like negotiation kind of falls under procurement, does it not, rather than supply chain? I, I think that's what a lot of people believe but i think it's primarily because supply chain folks have been so focused on getting the job done for yeah. such a long time and actually just figuring out the flow of goods and inventory and logistics and all of the things that go with it that they've and and really shipping rates have been fairly okay for right. quite some time <laughs> and now they're completely out of control and now we have to figure out how we're going to manage that and mm -hmm. negotiating your inventory and negotiating your supply agreements has become super super critical and typically procurement has dealt with a lot of that stuff in the past but now mm -hmm. it's becoming more and more important for other departments to be able to get involved and to be able to manage that because the reality is supply chain people know their business best and right. so for a procurement person to step in and talk about drayage or talk about things like marine or anything like that would be bananas, right? It, do it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, it makes sense for someone who's knowledgeable about what they're doing to negotiate those things. Now, while those people may be knowledgeable about what they do, they may not necessarily be knowledgeable about how to negotiate right. better deals on those things. And we yeah. find this with the vast majority of disciplines that we work with, whether they're people in the field, whether they're people um, doing the logistics, whatever it might be, they know how it works, but they may not necessarily know how to build leverage or get more out of those deals. So um, I think it's really important for people to be able to enhance their negotiation knowledge because it's not only going to help them in their business lives it's going to help them in their personal lives too and we're in a situation right now where even in our personal lives costs are out of control relationships are going crazy those things yeah. need to be addressed as well yeah and so what you i mean it's really interesting right because you're talking about collaboration internally i always talk about collaboration being the future of business um both internally and externally and so what parties would you say need to sort of come together to really uh be a force when you're going into a negotiation yeah i think look if you can get people from the supply chain and procurement department we already have a really good relationship with each other 
So I feel like that's good. We already understand each other a little bit. We already understand what each other do. Um, and I think we need to rely on each other a little bit more. So bringing yeah. someone from procurement who's really well-versed in negotiation, who has a strength in that, um, and and really feeding them the information that they need to be successful in that negotiation mm -hmm. and being a part of that negotiation is really critical to your success in supply chain. Whether you're working with warehousing or whether you're working with inventory or whether you're working with shipping, regardless of what kind of agreements you're putting together, the procurement person is going to be able to understand very quickly where the levers might be in that right. negotiation and what can be done. But a lot of people, I think, are trying to achieve things that may not necessarily be achievable. Um, for example, I talk to supply chain and procurement people all the time and they're like well we're going to try and look for cost reduction and i say whoa right like in this kind of environment what we're trying to do is cost control more than right. anything else we're in a heavy inflationary environment the likelihood that you're going to get any cost reduction at all is very minimal and so what we're trying to do is manage the cost increases as best we can and to make sure that in some sort of way we can forecast what that cost might be. So tying it to indices and tying it to things that make sense for our kind of environment is really, really important. For example, yeah, I love that. being a big part of that. Yeah, and I love that you said cost control, right? Yeah. A lot of times when we think about procurement, we're, t we're talking about, you know, reducing the costs. And a lot of times right. supply chain professionals get that kind of pressure. Right. Um, but right now, sort of changing that mindset as to what that needs to look like will, I think, um, reduce some of that pressure and make everybody sort of work better together. So let's talk about what you do, right? Because I think you obviously, you know a lot about this and you help a lot of people with this. So what exactly do you do at Negotiations uh, Ninja and how do you help your customers? We typically work with enterprise procurement and enterprise sales teams to teach them how to negotiate better. And what okay. that means for most teams is learning how to increase profitability either on the cost side or the revenue side, or to manage risk. Those are the two biggest areas that we focus on. But for the person that's listening right now, I want to try and make it as applicable for you as humanly possible. When you think about your negotiations on an ongoing basis, most of us are kind of just winging it. Right. In the negotiation, we're, we know what we're doing, right? We've done it for a really long time. We go in, we think we can get a good deal, and we come out, and the objective for our negotiations is get a good deal. But most of us don't even know what a good deal actually means huh. because we haven't really defined what a good deal is. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that really is to fully identify and very clearly delineate before you go into the negotiation exactly what you need and exactly what you want. And those are two different things, by the way. A need is a must-have requirement and a want is a nice-to-have requirement. And so right. many people end up walking away from deals because they didn't get all of their amazing wants and that deal could have worked because it met all of their needs. Right. So. I think before anyone goes into a negotiation, they first need to think about 
what do I need and what do I want and what is the range of acceptable outcomes on each of those needs and wants and be very clear about that before you go in. Otherwise, there's no way to measure how successful you've actually been and then you can never determine whether you got a good deal, so to speak. Yeah, and it's kind of like protecting the mindset too, right? If you know what success can look like in a variety of different ways, you walk away feeling so much better than when you get an outcome and you're not even sure what that even looks like for yourself yeah, or for the company. Yeah, exactly. And if, you know, if your chief supply chain officer or chief procurement officer comes up to you and says, hey, did you secure that deal? And you say, yeah, I got a good deal. And then she says, prove it. You're like, I can't <laughs> because you've done nothing to be able to measure your success. So trying to be as objective as we can be about the measurable parts of that negotiation is critical. Yeah. So some of your needs may be to improve lead time. Some of your needs may be to increase the inventory that we have on hand. Some of your needs may be to develop an alternate supplier. It may be a number of different things that you're doing in that negotiation. And if you can't measure that, you're, you don't know if you've been successful. Well, and you're also measuring expectations for not only yourself, but also for the people around you. Yeah. And that makes that conversation a lot easier to have right. when you've set the expectations with them. You all know what success kind of looks like on a variety of different levels. And then everybody can walk away feeling you know, kind of satisfied from from what's happened instead of kind of in limbo, not really understanding if we got a good deal or we didn't get a good deal. Right, exactly. Um, so all really, really good tangible takeaways. How did you get into negotiation? I mean, you're a self-titled procurement veteran. Tell us a little bit about that. Plus, you have a podcast. So how did yeah. all of this kind of come about for you? So uh, started out in sales, actually, right out of university, um, ended up paying off all my student loans and then nice. decided, hey, this is great, but I want to try the other side of the table. Then walked into mm -hmm. the procurement world, uh, ended up working in rail, ended up working in a number yeah. of different environments for quite some time. And then decided, you know what, the co corporate world's not really for me. I want to do my own thing. And then left and started up the Negotiations Ninja podcast, which is now the best negotiation podcast in the world. And we have a number of guests on there, um, everyone from suicide hotline negotiators to hostage negotiators to procurement and sales and supply chain, uh, telling us about their expertise. That evolved into a training business, which is what Negotiations Ninja is today. And now we train some of the largest enterprise teams on the planet. I love that journey. I mean, when I talk to supply chain professionals, a lot of us are like, we fell into the industry. <laughs> um, because until a couple of years ago, we really didn't have a career path within, right. you know, post-secondary um, education. And so I like the fact that, like me, you know, you kind of did some operations, right? You got your hands in there, you got some real life experience, and then you've turned it into something that people need in a variety of different industries. But, you know, mainly with a focus in supply chain and procurement, which is great because yeah. we really need that. And I love your podcast. So I highly recommend everybody go and check that out. And I'm going to be on it soon, too. So yes, you are. <laughs> it's going to be um, fun. I'm excited about it. 
Oh, we're gonna, it's going to be so much fun. So one of the key issues that I think our listeners really are interested in when we talk about things like negotiation is sort of navigating a post-pandemic work environment. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I kind of touched on this at the beginning of the episode, but talk us through that. What do you see that has changed the most? Man, so much has changed. I think in a in a specific corporate work environment i think the biggest thing that's changed is we've conditioned people to believe that there's no requirement to be on site mm. okay. and that is really great and really bad because we've recognized a lot of cost savings as a result but we've also changed the culture right that's internal separate to that externally with vendors Everything is being negotiated as virtually as we can now. So travel has gone down significantly, which is great Mm -hmm. for people like you and me who travel a fair bit. And now we get to do things over Zoom and Teams and Zencaster, which we're using right now. So it may, what a lot of people have experienced is they've had to adjust their negotiation style Mm. to a virtual environment, which for people that have been in the industry for a really long time is really challenging because a lot of us are really comfortable talking to each other one-on-one over the table, having a coffee, going out for a meal, playing around a golf, doing whatever we do to try and get a deal done. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that environment is very quickly diminished. We may be doing it a little bit now because restrictions have decreased, but right. I don't think it's ever going to get back to the point that we were at pre-COVID, which means that many of us have to adjust how we communicate in a virtual setting. And a lot of us are not used to that. So I've got a few tips for the listeners about how to adjust for that in a virtual setting. Number one, remember that you are on camera. Right. That's really important <laughs> to remember. Are you are you referring to the judge and the whole cat? Yeah, thing? exactly. <laughs> I am not a cat. <laughs> we know you're not a cat. And overly communicate, right? Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's critical, right? Because a, a lot of us are are very uncomfortable with a digital setting and Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. It just means that you have to really ramp up your learning curve in a big way really quickly. If you mm-hmm. haven't done so already, get comfortable with Zoom, get comfortable with Teams, whatever kind of virtual setting that you're using. And that doesn't mean turn your camera off. This is a big thing that a lot of people default to that is disconcerting for me. Studies have shown that 93% of communication is nonverbal. Okay. How you show up, your body language, yeah. how you dress, how you interact with someone, the tone of your voice. Many people are now defaulting to text and email as a mode of communication. This is a very dangerous thing because there is no context to text. Right. That's a big problem. How many times have you received um, a, an SMS from someone where you thought, oh, what a jerk. And you chat with that person later and you're like, hey, why are you being such a jerk? And the person's like, whoa, what are you talking about? You realize, of course, right? Like there's no, I realize I misinterpreted that. That's on me, not on you. Mm -hmm. Now we're leaving so much up to interpretation in a text-based negotiation. Yeah. By not having... Sorry, I have a question on that. Go ahead. What if the other party refuses to put their video on? Yeah, like, how them. do you negotiate all, with somebody like to. that? Yeah, ask them to. So okay. say, hey, can you turn on your camera, please? And then give them the reason why. Look, we're in a virtual setting. 
Um, you don't know me as well as um, other people might, and I don't know you as well as people that you know might. Right. We're going to be developing a deal through the course of our conversations. I am mm-hmm. old-fashioned in that I want to be able to see that there's actually a person that I'm working with. Mm. Because a big part of this is you and I, if this deal goes well, we're going to have a relationship. Right. And I want to make sure that long-term, that relationship is strong, as yeah. I'm sure that you do too. A big part of that is for us to be able to see each other. So if you could turn your camera on, I would sincerely appreciate it. Now, look, if they're not camera ready and they say, look, I'm in my PJs, I'm not going to have this conversation (laughs) on camera right now. You say, totally, I understand. For next time, because we're probably not going to get this deal done in one sitting, for next time, can we agree that we'll turn our cameras on? Mm -hmm. Yes, great, fantastic. I'll turn my camera off, and then at least you're on both on even footing, and you can manage the conversation that way. But make sure that you try your best to get the counterparty to turn their camera on. Love that. That's such great tips. All right. What's number two? I'm like hanging on. I want to know what number two is. Yeah. The biggest thing is make sure that your environment matches how you want to be seen. Because impressions count and impressions matter. So when you're on camera, remember that people can see you, right? So be well-groomed and make sure that you're talking properly, make sure your audio is good, but also make sure that your background environment matches how you want to be perceived. Okay. And if it's not set up a certain way in much the same way that yours is and mine is, make sure that you adjust that and you blur out your background so that if you've got things that are in private or that you think you have things that you don't want people to see, that you don't want people to perceive you a certain way as, blur out your background. There have been several news broadcasts that we've all seen on the news where a background environment may include certain personal objects that we don't want people (laughs) to see. (laughs) Yeah, we don't want people to see. And so we want to blur that. Sure. Or, and just make sure your environment matches that. So that's tip number two, making sure your environment matches that. The last tip, which I think is probably the single most important tip is if the conversation is really important, record the conversation. You make know what, that's sure... one thing I forget to do all the time. Yeah, and make sure that you record it and then give the transcript, right? Because you'll probably be able to produce an automatic transcript as a result. Give the transcript to the other person so that they have the notes. If you're negotiating a deal on an ongoing basis, you mm. get to manage the minutes of that. You no longer need someone to take the minutes. You can have a recording of that conversation. Give that to the person, and that helps you to keep track of the conversation and what was discussed along the way. I like that. I'm going to implement that right now. (laughs) Not like right now, right now, but like in my conversations today, because I always forget. And then I'm halfway through and I'm like, you know what? I probably should have recorded this. (laughs) Right. And then we we all forget to take really good notes. We think we're going to remember. And this is one of the major issues with a lot of negotiations. Most of us don't take great notes because we have Mm. this false sense of security that our memories are fantastic. Most of our memories are really fallible. They suck. And we need to make sure that we remember the conversations that we've had because we get to agreement formation time. We haven't taken good notes and then we're stuck. So recording the conversation allows us to bypass a lot of that. Well, I love this. So many great tips. So tell us about your services. You know, how does it work? How can we work with you? What are the benefits of working with Negotiation Ninja? I mean, Uh, I think you've given tons of value already. So I don't even think we really need to go into the benefits, but I think maybe we do. 
The, the biggest benefit that you're going to experience right now in today's day and age with inflation and supply chain issues that you have is risk reduction. That's the right. biggest, biggest um, benefit that most of my clients are seeing today. Now, if you'd had this conversation with me a year ago, it would have been cost reduction as the biggest okay. benefit that would have been seen. Um, and cost management today is probably the biggest thing. But risk, risk management is a big part because we need to manage risk in our agreements too. And the easiest way to get in touch with me is just to reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect with me on LinkedIn. Let me know that you listened to this podcast in your invite, and then we can connect with each other and have a further conversation. But usually what I do is I come in and do a training program with your team based on your business, and then we go into ongoing coaching where we maintain that training over a period of time. Yeah, so that's really interesting because you have some big name partnerships with Nike and the U.S. Army, and you do both individual and team training. Do you recommend one versus the other, or do you start with one and then lead into the other? What does that look like? So we'll start with usually uh, on-site training or virtual training, depending on your environment and depending on how spread apart your team is. So if you have a global team, you've got a few people in North America, Europe, Asia, we generally do virtual training for each environment. Um, And then we do ongoing coaching after that. The goal, the reason we do that is because we need to baseline the skill set. So baseline the skill set first, make sure that everyone understands how to negotiate first, and then coaching becomes much easier after that. Yeah, well, and why it's important too, right? Because I mean, I think that I think everybody really needs to understand in their role in the company, why negotiation is important, not only to the business, but also to their individual role as well. And so setting that baseline is that like half and a half day training full day training are we talking about like a week long what it paint really that depends sort of on what the needs of the business are but usually it's okay. either if it's on site it's a full nine hour day where we do a crash course or we'll break it up virtually and do three and a half hours a day for three days consecutively that's usually the program that most people pick but some people who have really advanced negotiation skills um choose to do something that's really targeted so we could do something that's a four-hour session to level up that skill set but the vast majority of leaders are saying hey look my people just need to know how to negotiate so come in here and teach everyone how to negotiate get them all at the same level and then let's go from there and then sort of branch out so paint us a picture of what that's looked like when a customer has come to you what was sort of the challenges that they were experiencing what was the solution that you provided to them in this specific instance? And then what was the ROI or benefit that they saw specifically from working with you? Yeah, so usually what ends up happening is a CPO would reach out to me and say, Mark, um, I have a problem. We are experiencing mass, and it's usually that, com- it's, it's exactly that conversation. We are experiencing <laughs> massive con- cost increases with our business. Um, The volume of work that we have is insane. We need to be able to negotiate faster, but also get better deals in place. That's Mm -hmm. usually the first part of the conversation. Then we discuss what the primary needs are around facilitating the training, meaning like how is the team broken up? Are they junior people? Are they mid-level people? Are they senior people? Is it a mix? How do we split that up in the conversation? And then what skills are we going to teach them to deal with those problems? Mm-hmm. Then we have the program that we tailor towards whatever team that we're working with, and then we deliver it 
and then they start implementing right away. The big problem that a lot of people see and a lot of leaders see whenever they take any training, doesn't even matter if it's negotiation, is the retention rate dramatically drops off as soon as that training is done. Ah. So my job is to make sure that that retention rate stays really high. And then we implement coaching and consulting afterwards to make sure that that retention rate is really high. So we go coach ongoing after that. And then usually the ROI is made back within, you know, one deal, of course, because we're dealing with multi-million dollar contracts and our training doesn't cost multi-millions. I wish it did, but it doesn't. And so your ROI <laughs> is substantial almost immediately. You're going to see a massive risk reduction. You're going to start seeing massive cost management um, and it's it's super beneficial for everyone in the organization. More than that, though, it starts to teach people how to think strategically about their relationships. Okay. Because most of us are going into relationships thinking, hey, this is a great relationship and this person's my friend and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. Don't get me wrong. Personal relationships are good in business. But ultimately, the point of that relationship is to drive profitability for the business. Yeah. So we've got to think more deeply about how we approach those relationships. Absolutely. And so do you have an ideal client? Like if I'm sitting here, you know, maybe in a small business, uh, obviously larger businesses, because we're talking about multi-million dollar yeah. um, contracts, but is there like an ideal client sort of threshold for you? Yeah, I would say any business that has a team that needs negotiation skills that's over 12 people is usually where we are. And if you have a smaller Perfect. team, um, that's okay. But usually those smaller teams then bring in people from legal, they bring in people from sales to make up the size of that team. So if you can get 12 people together in a room, we're golden. We're ready to go, basically, and have that conversation. Um the teams that I usually deal with are teams that are in excess of 30. So we usually break that up over multiple sessions and then do multiple training sessions. Some awesome. of the larger, so we do everything from basically like 20 people to 300 people, depending on right. how big your team is. Okay. Awesome. No, that's great. And I think uh, if I read this properly, you have a procurement fundamentals program. And I think that's something that's going to sort of pique the interest of nearly every buyer and category specialist out there. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah, the procurement fundamentals program is really there to teach strat sourcing and category management at um, okay. the most basic level to ensure that everyone understands how to actually do procurement. Okay. Um, because procurement and negotiation are sort of hand in glove, but they need to be taught independently. Um, and so okay. that program is very similar structure. We do that as well, depending on the organization for that same amount of people. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's there to teach people how to negotiate or sorry, how to do procurement a lot better. Yeah, well, and I like that that baseline, right? And I like the yeah. fact that you're separating procurement and negotiation, but then sort of bringing them back together um, uh, when you do the the different training. So I yeah. really, really like that. So what does we, the few, sorry, go ahead. The reason we have it is because of what you said earlier, like most of us in procurement and supply chain have kind of just fallen into it, right? Yeah. And we have no formal education on it. So that's why we developed the program because most of us are learning on the job and it's nice to get some formality to that. 
Yeah, and even if you have experience too, yeah. right? You can have experience in other environments, but there could be some best practices out there that you might not know about right. that you might want to get back to basics and sort of build on from there with the experiences that you've had. And since you've been in both procurement and negotiation, you can sort of help people navigate that as well, which I really, really like. What does the future hold for Negotiations Ninja? What can we sort of expect from you? Well, we are, we are experiencing some fantastic growth uh, during this time, as you would expect, because everyone's going through major cost challenges yeah. right now, right? So everyone's like, ah, how do I deal with this? We need someone to help us teach us how to negotiate. So um, that's been fantastic. It's been really good for our business. Um, and so we're just growing and trying to move a lot of our stuff online. Probably the biggest part of our business is the extension, our sister company, which is a company called Content Callout which is a content marketing company that I started two years ago to help supply chain companies with their content marketing. Because what we awesome. realized when we started Negotiations Ninja is we built up that entire business with content, with podcasts, mm -hmm. with blogs, white papers, and case studies. And we thought, man, if we could do that for other people, that would be pretty cool. And so here we are two years later with a supply chain focused content marketing company. Um, doing amazing things. So there's, yeah, there's a lot going on. It's really exciting and um, it's a, it's a fun time for us right now. Awesome. Well, if the audience were to walk away thinking about or implementing something from this conversation, what would be the one thing that you would, you know, really suggest that, that they walk away from this with? Know what you need and know what you want. Start there. Don't do anything else until you deeply understand what you need and what you want. Once you understand that, everything else becomes easier. But do not even begin the conversation with anyone else without first understanding that. I love that. And where can people find you? Give us Easy, all the links. Easiest places on LinkedIn. Just connect with me, Mark Raffin, or go to negotiations.ninja, or find me at contentcallout at contentcallout.com. And you can listen to our podcasts at Negotiations Ninja Podcasts or the B2B Content Marketing Show. Love that. So that was really eye-opening. I mean, so many takeaways, so much value. We haven't actually talked a lot about negotiation, and it's really an exciting area. You know, learning a new skill like this could be a game changer for supply chain professionals, procurement professionals, any professional really who's looking to close deals. But it's also important that we learn how to navigate a new norm and not just rely on what's worked in the past. So thank you so much, Mark, for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Thank you so much for having me. What are your business's supply chain challenges? Too much inventory on hand? Too many disruptions and stockouts? Are there too many steps and touches involved? If you have a vision for improvement, Fastenal can tailor a solution to help you get there. From automated bins that monitor your inventory 24-7 to vending devices that let you control and track the products that keep your business running. Fastenal has the ability and experience to help your supply chain. Go to Fastenal.com forward slash LTSC to see how they do it. Fastenal, where industry meets innovation. 
If you love what we are doing here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, or you're looking for a solution to a supply chain challenge, well, we have plenty more for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. And we've most likely featured that solution to your supply chain challenge. So head over to our YouTube channel or our website. If you go to letstalksupplychain.com and put in your keyword in the search bar, you'll be able to find all the content that we have on that particular challenge that you might be facing right now. And remember to come back next week for an up, another episode of Let's Talk Supply Chain where we're going to be featuring a past episode of Thoughts and Coffee so you can get caught up. We have so much fun on that show, so I hope you join us again next week. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. Plus, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and subscribe to our newsletter where thousands of supply chain professionals on a weekly basis get all they need to know to help them in their week ahead. That is over at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, we've got the Blended Pledge, where we are giving away grants to diverse voices to say yes to speaking engagements. So if you are an events organizer, we want to hear from you. We want to work with you to help you have more diverse voices on stages. If you are a corporation looking for external DEI initiatives, we have exclusive grants for you. And if you're a diverse voice looking for help to be able to say yes to speaking engagements, we want to hear from you as well. Our applications will be opening very, very soon. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. If you'd like to get our dictionary for free though, DM us on Instagram. So that's Let's Talk Supply Chain Instagram and DM Talk One. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.